We don't fear anything. Fear is false evidence that appears to be real. But you're the one that's real. Lord, we're here to worship you today. We're here to break down those walls of in our lives that we might be delivered from the things that we long to get out of our life to be more like you each and every day. Lord, today, we ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us through your word, that we would see things we've never seen before, and that we would have the courage, the strength, the desire to follow after what you taught us today, whether it be one thing or ten things, whatever it may be. Lord, today we give ourselves to you afresh and anew. Today, we once again are willing to be crucified with Christ. So it's no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in us. So Lord, be glorified today through your saints here at Freedom Church and those over the internet, Lord. Be glorified wherever we're at, in the church, out to lunch, at our homes. Lord, may our lives bring glory and honor to you. May people see who we are by who we obey and by who we love. And may they come to know you also. Use us in Jesus' name, Lord. Father, today we bind back evil forces of wickedness. They love to throw fear upon us, but you haven't given us a spirit of fear. You've given us a spirit of love, of power, and of a sound mind. And we accept these things, and we receive them into our lives. Power, love, and a sound mind. Father, use us for your glory, no matter where we be. Whether it be at church, at the grocery store, supermarket, Lord, wherever we go, be glorified in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thank you, Matt. Great, great worship. Well, welcome everybody to Freedom Church in the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. Everybody online, we're glad you're there. Stay tuned. Get your Bibles out. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 25. 1 Samuel chapter 25. Now, let's hope. I just did open up in prayer, huh? Prayer doesn't hurt anything, right? Nope. It's always good. Thank you, Lord. So we pray that the Holy Spirit speaks to us today. Those of you online, um, you know, you can, which our website is freedomchurchpb.org. Freedomchurchpb stands for palmbeach.org. You can find out our address. You can see our list of ministries. You can um, find out what we believe in. You know, we're a full gospel Bible preaching church. It's all about Jesus in this place. You know, even online, you can even give. So if the Lord leads you to give, if if you're online and you are with us every week, you know, we are your home church, and really you should be tithing to your home church. And we could sure use it so we can get the gospel out to more people every day. Um, for uh, you online, we're here every Sunday at 10 a.m. Um, and... Uh, you know, tune in to us, freedomchurchpb.org. And we stream that service, this service right now. Invite your friends, neighbors, relatives over to watch uh, Freedom Church with you. Or come on in if you're local. We're at 2810 High Paluxo Road in Lantana, Florida. And it's 33462 is our zip code. So if you're familiar with Florida and you're local, just get on I-95, head to High Paluxo Road, go west a quarter mile. We're on the north side of the road which is Lantana. South side of High Paluxo Road is Boynton Beach, so you know where, where you're at. Come on by and, uh, and see us. Uh, for men, you know, we're here every Saturday at 9 a.m. We have a men's Bible study here, which is always, always good, so come on by. A bunch of men that love Jesus, that aren't afraid to share things, that aren't afraid to study the Word of grow and God and de- dig deeper into the Word of God. And bring a friend with you if you, if you come whether it's the church or whether it's, it's to the men's Bible study. Um, I think that's about it. So um, we're glad you're in. Tune in next week. And as like I said, um, 
you know, bring friends and neighbors with you. And that, by the way, online, if you donate to us, Freedom Church, I'll send you a copy of this book for, uh, that I wrote. It's called About Face. It's a wake-up call for the church. It's written on a spiritual level. So, um, you know, I don't pretend to be a great writer, but I know one thing. You know, this book will wake you up. And the church needs to wake up. Okay? So, um, any donation, I'll send that book to you. You know, this is Mother's Day, so happy, happy Mother's Day, mothers. Um, you know, and that's what the message is on today. You know, I set out with a Bible study, and I was going to look at 15 different women in the Bible. 15 different women, women in the Bible. And you know, I just couldn't, after I studied it and did it all, when I go, go, went back to look at this study, I said, I could spend the whole service on one of these ladies. And the one I chose is in Second or First Samuel chapter 25, and her name is Abigail. How many have ever heard of Abigail before? Okay, Abigail. Abigail was the second wife of King David. She was actually his first chosen wife. You know, because Micah, Saul's daughter, was given to David for his defeat over Goliath. But he didn't choose her because she wasn't a godly woman. But after we look at Abigail today, we are going to see one woman of God, a virtuous woman, even though she was married to somebody else. Anyway, I set out to, to, um, to write on this. I named this um, Abigail a woman of great understanding, you know. And at first I want to... I want to say a few things about women. Proverbs 31 is, is the, the uh, virtuous woman from verse 10 to 31. Listen, we are living in a day where motherhood, the American pie, I mean the American flag and apple pie were known for their stability. Back in my days, that's the way it was. Motherhood, the American flag, and, and apple pie. It was a staple of America. You know, today, apples are inflated, the flag is mistreated, and motherhood is abused. What happened? I, I didn't get that old. I know I, some years have passed, but I didn't get that old. Today is the day when millions of people in America, 50 million mothers are, are said to be uh, honored today. 50 million mothers. It's the day when you can't even dial your mother on the phone because the lines are so crowded. All, everybody's calling their mom. If they aren't calling their mom and they live with their wife or their mother, you know, it's a day where they, the women will receive jewelry, they'll be taken to restaurants, they'll be, they'll be given flowers, they'll be, they'll be given candy, diamonds, you name it. An elementary teacher was teaching her class, and she said, my name starts with M. I have six letters in it, and I pick up things. And over half the class said, mother. And that is a mother. President Roosevelt said this, the mother is the one supreme asset of national life. She is more important by far than the successful statesman businessman, artist, and scientist. President Roosevelt said that. How about another president like Abraham Lincoln? He said this, no man is poor who has a godly mother. Look back at your mother's church. He also said this upon becoming the president of the United States. He said, all that I am or all I can be, I owe to my angel mother. Isn't that the way it is? I look back at my mother, and I see things now that she's been in heaven for 20 years. I see things that I missed when she, when she was walking on this earth. And I sit there and go, why didn't I say more to mom? Why did I do this? Why did I do that? All that I am, all that you can be, 
you're going to owe it to your godly mother. One leader said, give me a generation of Christian women and I will undertake to change the whole face of society in 12 months. Godly women. The problem is, a lot of women aren't godly. A lot of women are not virtuous women, as we learn in Proverbs, you know, uh, verses uh, 10 through 12, which I'm going to read to you shortly. You know, if they took a mother and valued her job description in the home, which is underrated today, all the women want to go out and get a job and make more money than their husband or make close to what their husband makes or, or just go to work. But it's estimated. Let me, look, let me read some things to you. It says here that a mother is an academic advisor, an accountant, a art director, a, an athletic director, a buyer, a CEO, a couch, a coach, a, a teacher, a dietitian, an instructor, an event planner, a housekeeper, a facilities director, groundskeeper, interior designer, janitor, judge, magistrate, laundry manager, logistics analyst, maintenance, supervisor, net, network administration, photographer, plumber, public school teacher, psychologist, recreational therapist, staff nurse, social media specialist, tailor, and just an all-around worker in the house. And I went online and I says, I wonder how much a lady that uh, a housekeeper should, should be if she if she did all these things and she was a housekeeper at home, well, 2020 statistics say her salary would be $178,201. But that was 1920. And they said that the year before that, 18 to 9, to, no, from 19 to 20, it went up 9.8%. So I took that and I added 10% to that. And I came up with, in 2020, she would be worth... $196,021.11. And if she went to 2022, she would be worth $215,623.21 a year. And if you added to 10% for 2023, she should be receiving a salary of $237,185.53. That's what a mother does. She's never-ending. And when the guy comes home from work, he says, I'm tired. He goes sit in a chair and reads the newspaper. Meanwhile, mom's been, been running around all day long. And us men needed to appreciate that. A stay-at-home stay mom is, is very much necessary today. If we had moms, godly moms, virtuous women staying at home with their children, we'd have less problems with the teenagers today. I can guarantee you that. My mother stayed home. When I got to be a teenager, I know she took a job at Kmart, you know, in the deli department, cutting ham and stuff like that. But because dad was, my dad was the, the town barber, town of 3,000 people. My dad was the town barber. Everybody knew my dad because the barber shop was where everything went on. All the newspapers were in the barber shop. You know, the bookies, when gambling was illegal. My dad was accused of being in the mafia or in the bookies. My dad never, he's broker than, he couldn't even afford a six cents for a popsicle for us kids. Shaving a haircut was 25 cents. He hated the Beatles when they came out because everybody's letting their hair grow. But after the Beatles were done, now everybody's styling their hair. So he started making money. And mom backed him up the whole time. Yeah, I love my mom and my dad, and I know you have too. Even if she, they both made mistakes, they both were, are human beings. So I couldn't get past Abigail out of 15 women that I was going to look at shortly. I had two pages written on, on Abigail, and I'm, I'm writing down all these things on these two pages. Before you know it, I'm writing a whole tablet. I think I got 13 pages on this woman. Liz came into my office. She says, what are you doing? I said, I'm rewriting my, my, uh, my paper. Those two papers that I had on Abigail turned into 15, 15 pages on this one woman. Abigail was a godly woman, and we're going to take a look at her today. Now, there's 40-some verses, 41, 
42 verses, I believe, in this chapter. And we're not going to read the whole thing, but we're going to read part of it. But at first, before we get there, I want you to turn to uh, Proverbs, you know, 31. Proverbs 31. This is how a woman should rate herself, and even her husband can rate her, and she can rate her husband by this also. Proverbs 31, verse 10. I'm just going to read three verses, 10, 11, and 12. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts in her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She does her husband good and not evil all the days of her life. Abigail is such a woman. Well, I just mentioned who Abigail was. She was the wife of a man named Nepal, and he was a worthless man, says verse 25 in 1 Samuel chapter, in 1 Samuel chapter 25. Says verse 25, her husband Nabal was a worthless man. How would you like to have your name written in the Bible saying you were worthless. This guy was cruel. He was mean. He was very wealthy. But actually, you know what? You know what Nabal means? In Hebrew, it means fool. F-O-O-L. Fool. He was a fool, and you're going to see it demonstrated here. He was wealthy. The Bible says he was a scoundrel. You know what a scoundrel is? This is a godly woman. A virtuous woman married to a scoundrel. A scoundrel, and looked up in a dictionary. A rat, a villain, a crook, a cheat, a reprobate, and a scalawag. Man, how would you like to be called that? You know, there's two other men in the Bible that I know of, and that were, was Eli's sons. And here they were priests. And they were called worthless men. Worthless men. I'm, I don't want to be a worthless man. When I leave this worth, I hope for some kind of legacy left behind for the, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's a lot of preachers on the radio that are dead now, but their preaching still goes on because they loved God. 1 Samuel 1, 1 Samuel 25, 1 through 6. Let me read the verses. Then Samuel died. And the Israelites gathered together and lamented for him and buried him at his home in Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. And there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel. And the man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep, 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. The name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife was Abigail, and she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful in appearance. But the man was harsh and evil and his, in his doings. He was of the house of Caleb. Who would think he'd come out of Caleb's house, you know? When David heard in, in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep, David sent ten young men to, and David said to the young men, Go up to Carmel, go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus you shall say to him, Who lives in prosperity, Peace be to you, peace to your house, and peace to all that you have. Remember now, Nabal is a worthless man, he's wealthy. They didn't measure wealth and how much gold and silver you had then. It was your, your household. He has 3,000 sheep. He has 1,000 goats. He was harsh and he was evil. But a tribe of Caleb? The tribe of Caleb? The one who got into the promised land because him and Joshua were the only ones that said, we could take these giants in the promised land? This guy came out of how? Caleb. You know, Joshua, I'm sure Caleb was backing Joshua up when he said, listen, you can choose today who you want to serve, but me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I just picture Caleb saying the same thing. 
to his family. And here comes a, a worthless man, Nabal, from that tribe. His wife was Abigail. Verse 3 says this. She was a woman of good understanding in the KJV version, King James Version. She was a woman of good understanding. In the ESV in verse 3, it says she's an intelligent woman, very intelligent woman. Verse 22 of 1 Samuel 25 says she's a peacemaker. What did Jesus say about peacemakers? He said they shall be called children of God. This woman was a believer, and she was certainly a child of God. The God of Israel. Verse 25 in the ESV version in, in 1 Samuel 25 again. She is wise. That's, a, that's the fourth characteristic you just learned of Abigail. She's, she's a woman of good understanding. She's intelligent. She's a peacemaker. And now we find out she's a very wise woman. She's no, she knows her husband, Nabal, is a worthless fool and a scoundrel. What would make such a woman marry a guy like that except it be for promised children going to certain people back in those days? She certainly didn't deserve this man. He was worthless and a scoundrel. Number five, we see that she is honorable in her doings. She's an honorable woman. She has no thought of doing evil. That's what that means. She has no thought of doing evil. And number six, she's beautiful in appearance. Now, we know some of the women in the Bible were beautiful. There's only two others that are mentioned as beautiful in appearance. That's Esther and Rachel. Of course, we know Sarah was a beautiful woman. We know that Rebecca was a beautiful woman. But it's put this way, she was beautiful in appearance. Now, you know that speaks to me. When she gets out of bed in the morning, she's still beautiful. She don't need the makeup. She's just a beautiful woman. And I think what part of that is not just, her, not just her appearance. It says here it's her appearance. But in her heart, she was the same. In her heart. You know, because God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the inward heart. And not only was she beautiful in outward appearance, she was beautiful inside also. Esther and Rachel were the other two that were beautiful in figure and appearance. Esther 2, 7, and Rachel in Genesis 29, 17. Of course, like I said, Hannah we know was beautiful. Dorcas we know was beautiful from the Scriptures. Ruth we know was beautiful. Rebecca, Sarah, Bathsheba, they were all beautiful women. But these three were beautiful in appearance. That means you look at them and you go, ooh, you know. Wow, she pretty. Like a Miss America type, I guess. Number seven attribute about um, Abigail is, I don't know if it's an attribute. She happens to be married to a fool, a greedy man, a slothful man, who dies ten days after he gives an insult to King David. And King David was irate. And I'm going to show you what she, what, what he did, or what she did to stop David being, even though David wasn't her husband, she stopped him from some major sins, major sins. She became, even though Nabal died 10 days after his refusal to help David, he, he, he just, it says, the Bible says, God struck him. But then she became the chosen wife of David. And I told you when we started up, the chosen wife of David. David wasn't given Abigail. Saul, King Saul gave Micah to David when he, when he killed Goliath. But he didn't choose that woman. She wasn't, as you read the scriptures, you'll find out Micah was not a godly woman. And when David, you know, was preferred over the kingship over, over, um, over Saul, you know, they, he was thrown out, and David took the wife, Michael, back off of David. So now he's, he's got one wife, really, at this point, and that is Abigail. 
and she's the chosen wife. And she's also, they, 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 they had a son, and they named him Daniel. Daniel. You can find that in First Chronicles uh, 3.1. There's other places he named by Chabal, Chabal or something. But she becomes the chosen wife of David. This is a Proverbs 31 woman. David will soon recognize this virtuous woman. He's going to recognize this woman. It doesn't matter if, if they, you were married, ladies, before. It doesn't matter if you've been married before. One time or ten times, you can still be a virtuous woman. I've had women go through fervent prayer that used to run around and sleep around, and they vowed to be straight until they're married. They vowed that. And some of them did get married not too long, long after. They vowed to be married. They, they devowed to be now a virtuous woman. And that goes for us men, too. We can be virtuous men. You can be a virtuous man or a woman. I'm going to read verses 7 through 12 from 1 Samuel 25. Now I have, now I have heard that you have shearers, your shepherds, were with us, and we did not hurt them, nor was there anything missing from them all the while they were at Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast day. There's a feast going on. That's why they're, they're preparing sheep. Give, please give whatever comes to your hand to your servant, and to your son David. David's asking for help. So when David's young men came and spoke to Nabal according to all the words in David's name and waited. Verse 10, Then Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants today to break away from their masters. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat and that that I have killed for my shares and give it to you? I do not know where you are from. Verse 12. So David's young men returned on their heels and, and went back and they came and told him all these words. They told David all these words. You know, in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 10, we find out that, that Jesus sent the disciples out, and he told them, you know, if people receive you, don't take, don't take a cloak, cloak with you, don't take any money, just go. If they receive you, all is well and good. Your blessing will be upon that house. But if they, if they don't receive you, shake off the dust. And that's what that's what these men did of David. When Nabal refused to give them meat and food for the feast, you know, they shook off the dust. They went back and told King David, and you're going to find out David was irate. She, Abigail, is a wise woman, and her husband has just offended King David. She could see that David is going to shed blood at this point. David, you wonder why. What was David doing? He, yes, he broke off from Saul because Saul tried to kill him. Okay? He broke off from Saul. But, you know, the people wanted David for king, and Saul knew it. So David is irate. He protected Nabal's land and all that he had in prior verses. I read it. He protected them. Why, what did he protect them from? If you know anything about biblical times, this was a time when Philistines raided people. Kind of like a time in Judges. You know, where, where a group of people always would raid, you know, the people of God. And that's where God raised up Gideon. Well, the Philistines did those raids. They'd come in and they'd take their sheep and they'd take their goats 
And they'd take their raisins and their figs and all their bread. And then, then David was protecting them from the Philistine raids. And David is irate because he knew it, but he wouldn't support David at this feast time. And, 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 and Abigail knew that David was going to shed blood. You know that David was a man of blood. He couldn't build the temple that he wanted to build for God. He could build his house. And he, after he built his house, he wanted to build God a temple. And God says, I'm glad that you want to build me a temple. That's great. But you are a man of blood. So your son Solomon will build the temple. But David prepared all the wood, the gold, and all the things that he needed. And Solomon built the temple. See, David was a man of blood. He had killed a lot of people. David's men shake off the dust from the Baal's house. They return to David with the bad news of this greedy, stingy fool. Just like the apostles when Jesus sent them out in Matthew chapter 10. If he weren't received the message of Messiah is here, then they would, be, he, they would shake off the dust and move on to the next family. Let's read verse 13. 1 Samuel 25, 13 through 17. David said to his men, Every man gird on his sword. See, battles about David's irate. So every man girded on his sword, and David also girded on his sword. And about 400 men went with David, and 200 stayed with the supplies. Now one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled them. He reviled them. But the men were very good to us, and we were not hurt. For, you know, this is Nabal's men talking to Abigail. We did not miss anything as long as we accompanied them when we were in the fields. They were a wall of protection to us, both by day and by night, all the time we were with them, keeping the sheep. Now, therefore, know and consider what, will, what you will do. For harm is, attend, is determined against my master and against all his household. For he is a scoundrel. Nabal is a scoundrel. Like I said, he's a villain. He's a crook. He's a cheat. He's just a worthless man. That one may speak to him. So Abigail's house men are speaking to Abigail saying, you know, David protected him. He was good to us. They never stole anything. They protected us. And now this Nabal, your husband, has turned them down. And there is going to be bloodshed. I guess David had an anger issue. So David's men return with this bad news. David's strapping on his sword. He's taking 400 men with him. He's going to kill and slaughter Nabal's household, every male. That was David's plan. David and his wise men protected his land from being attacked by those Philistines' raids. Yet David never asked for no payment, but now he was a, it was a Jewish holiday, and David and his men needed food to celebrate, and Nabal refuses him. And David is ticked off. I believe you would be ticked off, too. Why is Abigail wise? Because that's the one attribute I just brought up about her. She halted this bloodshed. She's a virtuous woman. She halted the bloodshed. She will save, listen, she's going to save King David. He isn't a king yet. He's just anointed king. Saul's the king. She is going to save King David from becoming a mass murderer. Do you see that? David was just going to go there and wipe everybody out. He was that ticked off. Yeah, like I said, he probably had a self-control problem. He would have became, he would have shed so much blood, he would have been known as a mass murderer. So she halts David revenge. She stops him from murdering. She stops him from shedding blood. And she stops him from carrying out revenge. And we know from Scripture Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. Somebody crosses you up, just say, God, I'll take it. 
do what you can or whatever you will. Let God decide. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. She, in verse, in that verse, I think it, no, in that verse 18, it says here, Then Abigail, after she heard what the servants told her, she made haste and took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, five, uh, five uh, measures of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, and 200 cakes of figs, and loaded them on donkeys. Now David had 600 men with him, and she got enough food here to feed their families, their wives and their children. She loaded up the donkeys. Not one donkey, several donkeys. And she said to her servants, you go before me, I'm coming after you. And she did not tell her husband Nabal. If she would have told Nabal, he would have stopped her. She didn't tell him. He was drunk. He was having a feast at home, as we'll find out as we go on. He was drunk as a skunk. She figured, I'm not telling him anything until the next day. And she did do that, by the way. So she makes haste to do her husband good. This evil man is making haste to do Nabal good. This virtuous woman, her own husband, he's a no good guy, but she's treating him like a virtuous woman should. Obviously, she didn't ever beat up by him, but he was just vile and evil. Because there's provision in the scriptures for men or women that beat up their husbands or their spouses. She's doing this worthless man good and not evil all the days that she's married with him. If she did not intervene, David would be, David would have killed her husband, all of his sons, and his servants, his male servants. And then he would have took the women most likely for himself. David, think of, think of this virtuous woman, Abigail. She prevented David from becoming a first-degree mass murderer and his men from becoming mass murderers. She stopped him from his revenge against Nabal. Revenge was flowing through David's veins. veins. I look at some of the things in my life that I did wrong, and a lot of it was revenge. I'm talking prior to my Christianity. Revenge is terrible. And David was, was willing to give up God's vengeance on the ball. He was going to take it into his own hands. David, if he would have did this, do you realize that Abigail could have, could have saved him from his kingship? He was anointed king by Samuel. Samuel died, first verse of this chapter. He could have been removed from being the next king because of his mass murderers. You remember the, the sons of, that, uh, the two sons of, uh, of Jacob, the ones that committed murder? They, they raped Abigail, not Abigail, but Tamar. And they told him, well, we, we can intermarry. And, uh, but you have to be circumcised. And then when they were circumcised, before while they were in all pain, they went in there and wiped out the whole city. And the tribe of Levi, you know, never got any land or anything. They, had to, they became the priests of God. They were removed. They lost something. And David would have lost his kingship right here if it wasn't for Abigail. She was already treating her worthless husband with good things, and she's also treating David with good things. Everybody loved David, but if he would have done these things, he may have lost his anointed king's position in Israel. So she is actually protecting her future husband, King David. Or I should say David, because he is not king yet. David is about to see this beautiful woman not only as an out, her outward appearance, but her inward heart. Her inward heart. 18 through 23. 
Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, five measures of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, and 200 cakes of figs, and loaded them on donkeys. And she said to her servant, Go on before me. I will be coming after you. And she did not tell her husband the ball. So it was as she rode on the donkey that she went down under cover of the hill and there were David's men and his men uh, coming down towards her and she met them. Now David had said, Surely in vain I have protected this fellow's property in the wilderness so that nothing was missed of all that belonged to him and he has repaid me evil for good? May God do so and more also to the enemies of David if I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light. He's going to murder them all. Now when Gabigail saw David, she dismounted quickly from the donkey and fell on her face before David and bowed down to the ground. And she fell at his feet and said, Oh, my, oh me, on me, my Lord, let this iniquity be. Please let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. Listen. You know what she was just saying? Don't kill Nabal, kill me. What did Jesus say about that? Greater love has no man than this. He's willing to lay down his life for a friend. Abigail never met David. She obviously knew about him. But she was willing for David to kill her to save this worthless man. Is that a virtuous woman or what? Is she doing him good and not evil all the days of his life? Absolutely. Absolutely. She, look at, she sees David. David's coming with 400 guys, all loaded up with their swords. She gets off her donkey. She falls on her face before David. That's humility. She bows down to the ground and fell at his feet and begs him, saying, Let this iniquity be on me. Whew. Now you just saw another virtue of this woman. She's willing to lay down her life for, for an enemy. He's, yes, he's her husband, but he's worthless. He's a scalawag. What a woman. You know what? If I lived in that day, I'd have married her. I'm serious. This is a godly woman. I never really saw this before until I started studying these 15 women that I have here before you. And I, I can't get past Abigail. What a, what a woman. She's beautiful in appearance and figure. She has a heart of gold. Really? But she's a, she's, she's a woman of good understanding. She's intelligent. She's a peacemaker. She's very wise. She's obviously a believer in Jehovah. She's honorable in her doings, beautiful in appearance, but she's married to a fool. But she will be the chosen wife of David very soon. So why is she wise? She halted the bloodshed, stopped mass murdering, um, halted David's revenge. She makes haste to do good. And she's willing to give her life for this worthless man. That's what Jesus said. Boy, if the church can do this today, and I could even do it, greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for a friend's. And what did God do for us? God demonstrated his love toward us. While we were yet sinners like Nabal, he gave his life for us. God demonstrated it. He acted it out. He did it. His love toward us. While we were yet sinners, enemies against him, he laid down his life for us. Greater love has no man than that. And this is a picture, this woman is a picturing the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ and his, his coming as Messiah. Now we see more of the character traits of, of, of Abigail. She's humble. She's a woman of agape love. You know what, if, if you 
have one and you're single, you better grab her now. This world's running out of God worth. Well, this world's running out of virtuous, honor, honorable women because the church isn't teaching it for the most part. Nobody reads their Bible anymore. It sits on the TV and dust collects on it. No, you got to read your Bible so you know these things. We're commanded by the Apostle Paul to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Listen, I've been a believer for 46 years in August, and I never saw all this. How did I come about this? Because I studied it. I read it. And that's what the church needs to do. Take your Bible off the bookshelf, off of the TV, and read it. Start in the book of John. This scoundrel, she's willing to lay down his life, her life. He's a fool. He's a rat. He's a villain. He's a crook. He's a cheat. He's a reprobate. He's a scalawag. He's a greedy man. He's a selfish man. And she's going to lay down her life, her life for him? I'd have said, hate to say this, but my heart would be saying, I hope David does come and kill him. I know that's not right, but he was worthless. Just like the sons of Eli, they were worthless men. Says the scriptures. I wouldn't want that written about me. They were worthless men. They were priests of the God Most High, and they were prostituting the women in this temple while they had wives of their own. And, and one, of their, one of the Phineas's, I believe, his wife was in labor with a baby just before he was killed, and she named that baby. And I forget, what's, what's the name? I forget it. But it meant, what is it? Ichabod. You know what Ichabod means? The glory has left. The glory has left Israel because these two priests are cheating on their wives with prostitute temples. Worthless men. I don't want to be a worthless man. I want Jesus to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, when I get to the kingdom. And I know you do, too. So become a virtuous woman or a virtuous man. She's asking David for forgiveness. And listen to this. Let's read the 30th verse. Here's something else about this woman you probably never saw before. Verse 30. And it shall come to pass, this is, this is Abigail talking, when the Lord has done for me according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel. You know what? That does sound too significant, does it? But you know what she was doing? She was prophesying that David would be king. Now she's a prophetess. She was prophesying David's going to be king. You know what she also says? She also says, when this happens, remember me. She obviously loved King David, but she was still honorable to her husband. David, what's the, the Hebrew word for ruler there is nahid, which means leader, prince, captain, or commander-in-chief of Israel. Wow. Here's Abigail's request in verse 31. Then David said to Abigail, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to me. And blessed is your advice. And blessed are you because you have kept me this day from, become, from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. For indeed, as the Lord God of Israel lives, so has kept me back from hurting you. Unless you had hurried and come and met me, surely by morning light no males would have been seen left in the ball. See that? David was going to wipe him out. This woman saved him from murdering a lot of people. Her request is, remember me, David. And David answers her with that 
Blessed is the Lord our God of Israel who sent me, you, Abigail, this day to me, David. Verse 33, blessed is your advice and blessed are you, Abigail, for you kept me from this day from coming to bloodshed, from avenging myself with my own hand. Remember, I just said it. David is grateful because she prevented him from bloodshed, murder, and revenge. 34 and 35, I don't think I read it. No, I read I read 34. So David received her from her hand, what she had brought him, and said to her, Go up in peace to your house. I have heeded your voice and respected your person. So David, David's looking at this virtuous woman saying, Whoa, what, what a woman. What a woman. Protect her godless husband. He tells her to go in peace. He's going to heed her voice. And he, was res- and he says, uh, really, he's respected her person. He recognized this is a godly woman. This is a virtuous woman. Now, if you go on the rest of the chapter, 36 to 42, and I'll just read some things. Nabal was holding a feast. He was drunk. That means he was married. It says Mary in the Bible. He was married. Abigail told him nothing until morning light about what she did. Abigail tells Nabal the next day, his heart, in verse 37, becomes like a stone. Kind of like, remember Pharaoh? Remember Pharaoh? You know, every time he didn't listen to Pharaoh taking the Hebrews out of Egypt, you know, his heart got hardened. Well, what's this is saying? You know, a lot of, and it says that God hardened it more. No, it's saying Pharaoh hardened his heart. He had a choice. But God says, because you harden your heart, I'm going to make it stiffer. That's what he's saying. Here, I'm going to make it stiffer. So here, this, this guy's heart becomes stiff like a stone. And we know that Isaiah and Ezekiel tell us, you know, that he's going to take our hearts of stone and make them pliable flesh. Well, this guy's heart just got harder and harder and harder. Just like what happened to Pharaoh. He just didn't, didn't get it. He didn't let God's people go. And before you know it, the, the Red Sea swallowed all his army up. And Israel was re, our, Egypt was reduced to practically nothing. Ten days later, verse 38, the Lord strikes Nabal and he dies. You know why? The Word of God tells us, don't touch God's anointed. If God anoints somebody for the work that God called him to do, don't you stop him. Don't you rebuke him. Let him go. You don't mess with God's anointed. Verse 39, when David heard Nabal was dead, listen to what he did. He said, Blessed be the Lord who has pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and has sent this his servant from evil and has kept his service from evil. Both David's talking here, but this is both Abigail and David that he's talking about. For the Lord has caused the wickedness of Nabal to fall on his own head. And David sent men... And they, they proposed to Abigail that she would become his wife. So what does she do? David's not, allowed, David's not about to lose this virtuous woman. Abigail, have you seen any woman in this Bible that could match up to this woman? David sees all that she's done for him. He's not about to lose this virtuous woman. She... Now her husband dies. She's, he's now able to take her for wife, and he's not going to pass it up. And remember Abigail's words, remember me when you become king? Well, he did. He remembered her. It was only 10 days later. 10 days later. David is not about to lose his virtuous, honorable, intelligent, discerning, wise, peaceful, compassionate woman 
to escape from his grasp. And men and women, if you have virtuous men or women in your life, you better grab them up now. Grab them up now. Because we're running out of godly people in this world. Even though the gospel is preached every Sunday, the world just keeps going worse and worse and worse. And that's why Jesus said, pray in this way, that thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we, each one of us, whether you're online or whether you're here today, each one of us, are that's our responsibility, to help God's kingdom come. And we aren't going to do that by being unwise or stupid or foolish or, or do sinful things in this world. We have to turn from our wicked ways, confess our sins. And if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So David Perdue proposes to Abigail via or by his men. He proposes, proposes to her. He sends them, tell her he wants to marry her, and, and, and she's going to be married to him. So what does she do? When the men were there, she arose, bowed down her face to the earth. She arose, in verse 42, went in haste again. Now she was haste, ran in haste to bring all this food to David. Now she's in haste to get back, get to King David. She arose with haste and rode a donkey with five maid servants of, uh, of David. And she became his wife. And this is the wife I mentioned that David himself chose this wife. Saul's daughter was taken away from David. So this is his first chosen wife. Like David, he, you know, you have one in your life, a virtuous woman or a virtuous man. Suck him up now. Ask yourself, is he, is she, a believer, number one. Number two, honorable. Number three, is, is he or she of good understanding? Are they a peacemaker? Because they're going to see God. That's what Jesus said. Are you beautiful, not just outside? Because God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. Are you beautiful in heart? Nabal obviously wasn't, but Abigail was. She's wise. You want a wise man or woman? You want an honorable man or woman? You want them to be intelligent, not just in this world, but in the things of God? And most importantly, are they humble? What does the Lord require of you? To be humble, contrite in spirit. And how is it? What's the other one? Huh? What does God require of you? But to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before God. Micah 6, 8. All you single guys out there or here, if you run into this woman, you better snatch her up. She's a good woman. If you have the same thing for a man, since this is Mother's Day, we're looking at virtuous women. Let me read that first verses again from Proverbs. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. She's worth more, way more than money or gems. Her heart of her husband does safely trust in her. That means he goes to work every day and don't worry about it. she's running around with somebody else or doing him evil instead of good. So that he shall have no need of spoil. He's going to be blessed, blessed, blessed. Verse 12, she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. And that's what a woman's supposed to do. But the man's supposed to do his part too. So that's our study. Out of 15 women that I had uh, studied here, and we could go on, I wouldn't touch as deep as I would on Abigail here, but I just couldn't help it with this woman. Because she is a godly woman. And you know, knowing King David's character, you know that he would suck up such a woman. Because he had a heart that chased after God. Some people think, well, age is a problem. Some people, no matter how old they get, they never lose their beauty. You know that? The beauty just moves from the outside to the inside. Let's pray. Father God, Thank you for 
what you've showed us about godly men and women today. Lord, help us to be such a one that would be virtuous, honorable, humble, intelligent, wise, peaceable, and so many other things. Help us become the man, the woman that you want us to be. And to you be the glory for it all. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Tune in next week, 10 a.m. Love you all.